You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. The uh, Kind of what a walrus looks like, you know, this burly looking seal with tusks. You know what I call it, Angie? What can they teach us? So and they spend most of their time with other walruses, but it's usually the same sex. Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. Angie, I miss talking to you. We need to start doing our twice a week stuff. I Well, how about three times a week? Yeah, that I know. Perfect. That was like every, a little much. Like every other day. <laughs> yeah, it was, getting, <laughs> it was getting a little much. But yeah, we'll, uh, we have to get back to the uh, conservation news. And hopefully the next couple of weeks we'll be able to do that. You know, and then also Jesse, you know, get Jesse and Jim back on board because those guys oh, were awesome. Oh, goodness. Yes. Yeah. They were amazing. I, I definitely yeah. look forward to, I need to do an episode with them, but you guys. Yeah. Have, yeah. You have a pretty good dynamic with them. Uh, no, no, I'm going to set it up. I'm going to set that one up. I'm going <laughs> to set that one up. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that happens here soon. So we'll get back to the, the conservation news and then we have some interviews, um, coming up too. So we'll get back on it, you know, as we're nearing our one year anniversary. I can't crazy. even believe it. Right. And I know. I know. And I must say, like, pretty much every podcast I prepare for, I like better and better and better. It's just yeah. I'm having more. Yeah. I, I didn't think it would ever be possible to have more fun, especially after doing a species of rhino or some of the hoofstock. But, mm-hmm. like, for instance, the past three days, learning about walruses. Walruses, mm-hmm. yes. Our first. It was cool. Like, we just thought, yeah. yeah, our first pinniped. Yeah. And yes. so, yeah, it's just, it's. I mean, like I said, we're we're narrowing in on the one year mark, but it feels yeah. every day feels like a new, fresh day. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, and I got to give a shout out to Heidi. She helped me do some research. She's been texting me some cool articles and stuff on them. So it's amazing how people get excited about learning about these animals, and and she's been a big oh, help. Thank to you, me Heidi. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, pinnipeds. You know, me, meaning animals with fin or flippers on both their hind mm-hmm. feet. I didn't really kind of know that. You know, I always knew pinnipeds. Well, peds means feet and oh. a, a penna, I don't know what a penna means. Yeah. But. Multi. I don't yeah. Know. Make, <laughs> we'll yeah. 
<laughs> it's you and Angie. Trust, me and Angie got like thirty years of trust, education. Trust what we say. Why will you pretend? <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, what? Yeah. Seriously, I was in college eleven years. Ugh. And you were in college for twenty-eight years, right? No, something, <laughs> something like that. Yes. There. Uh, definitely. There. There are a lot of there. Uh, it, it slowed down there. Um, the past couple of years with two boys. That was for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, you. You. I can't believe you had two babies in grad school. I. Uh, uh, I'm just proud of you. Oh so, man, I, yeah, I, I, I want to go back to like vet school and have more babies. It was. It's like the best time ever. <laughs> I don't want to be in the real world working. Jeez. No way. No way. So seals, sea lions, and walruses. So those are our pinnipeds, and and so we're going big. First one, we're going big. Oh, it's yeah. not the biggest though. It's not the biggest. It's not the biggest. Uh, I did. I was surprised. I was too, yeah. actually. Elephants, yeah, yeah. Elephant there's seals. T- the male elephant seals are mm-hmm. bigger. I, yeah, and right? I think there's two. There must be subspecies, but two species of elephant seals yeah. that they said are bigger than walruses. But walruses are big yeah. and they're iconic, and everybody yes. knows what they look like. So we'll we will describe them in more detail because Chris and I learned a lot of fun facts along the way about their hind feet about their whiskers yeah. about their blubber yeah physiology about their male reproductive yeah. parts stay tuned for that uh- <laughs> <laughs> yes that one that one that one is funny you know um again my friend heidi like uh, you know the physiology about it and uh it made me think of corbin too so corbin if you're listening this one's for <laughs> yeah. you bud yeah you'll probably get some giggles <laughs> for sure yeah, for- but yeah, everybody, everybody knows. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing they're probably the most iconic for, right, is those massive tusks. Yes, yes, ivory and Angie. I didn't know this. They almost went extinct in the 1930s. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. because of those damn tusks, mm-hmm. stupid ivory. Mm-hmm. Which, for our listeners, Ugh. if you're not familiar, uh, same thing with the elephant. But these tusks mm-hmm. are basically just enlarged canine teeth. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So yeah, they're just yeah. teeth. And- but obviously, right. people seek them for many different reasons, which yeah, carving them mm-hmm. and stuff, yeah. which yeah. did drive them to almost extinction. But they're uh, they're on the rebound, so mm-hmm. that is good. But they are still vulnerable by the IUCN, and mm-hmm. most likely due to human pressures and, of course, global climate change. Their numbers, the IUCN doesn't have don't know if they're decreasing because they're so it's so Mm -hmm. hard to do population counts um so but they're assuming that they're going down because of ice being lost in their habitat yeah 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 we'll talk about that for sure and then stay tuned because at the end i'm gonna answer guess the number of walruses in the largest herd that they've been able to count Ooh, that's a fun one we will and where and where yeah, and where? And where do they live? Where do they live? So it's actually pretty amazing. They're they're really amazing creatures. The you know, I think a lot of people again, we're we're covering some iconic species lately, like the giraffe and and things like that. And a lot of people do know the uh kind of what a walrus looks like, you know, this burly looking seal with tusks. You know what I call it, Angie? If we go back to episode thirty two, it looks like a naked mole rat. It's just- <laughs> Huge. A little, a it little does. I can see that in the face. Uh, once again, it's so, it's, yeah. I think they're, they have a cute face, especially with those whiskers. It's like smush oh, and totally. whiskers. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're but adorable. yes, I can, that's definitely the blubber and the, the kind of the roundness shape of them. I, I could, I could definitely see that. Uh, but they, they're just a big, big sausage. Like, they're pretty it's much like a big sausage with, yeah, with the little four, uh, appendages and, and they do, yeah. they, they, they have a, they have fur. Over most of their body, mm-hmm. um, and they could be like some describe them as light gray to yellowish brown 
for me, they're almost mm-hmm. just brown in color. I don't know where the gray comes. Yeah, reddish yeah, brown. Or yeah, cinnamon. Yeah. But a lot of some people say light gray. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, but the, and the adults can range in color. Um, right, and the males are are huge. I mean, huge, up to twelve feet or three point six meters, and they weigh forty four hundred pounds or two thousand kilograms. Yes. They're only beaten by the elephant seal, like we said, and the elephants. So they're really the third largest mammal on Earth as far as weight. Yeah, Chris, my babies, the rhinos, they're, they're, they can be about two tons or 4,000 pounds. So we're talking massive. Yeah, they're big. They're big. And the females aren't quite as big. So you're talking 10 feet long, still big, but mm-hmm. 2,800 pounds or, you know, 1,250 kilograms. So, but they're, 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 they're huge. They're huge. Well, then, you, you know, and then the tusks, both males and females have them, right? Yeah, Chris. So both females and males have tusks. Now I do believe the males are going to have longer, thicker tusks than the females. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, I know we're going to, oh, let's wait. We'll, we'll, we'll save the tusk t- talk later because there's some cool yes. facts, you know, yes. um, some cool facts. Yes. Actually, but, I, lear- I actually, I, I learned a lot about their tusks. Yeah. Yeah. There's some really cool facts about them. So yeah, these, these live down near Antarctic, right? The penguins? Right? No. <laughs> mm, <let's, laughs> Not let's, wrong. Let's, let's, let's jump about a, um, 180. The other side of Earth. Or, yeah. 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 So they're all Northern hemisphere. You know, these mm-hmm. are strictly Northern hemisphere mammals. They live in the Arctic or subarctic regions. Sure, yeah. And they, and they enjoy temperatures like Florida, right? Like a balmy <laughs> five degrees Fahrenheit or minus fifteen C. No, <laughs> like, no, no, no. Oh my god! I'm so desperately yeah. waiting for fall to come, and it is. It's yeah. very slow here. It's about it's about November here for, before it starts cooling down. Um, but yes, oh, no, Florida, no yeah, walruses never. around here. They are going to be circumpolar in the Arctic, or like you said, subarctic, mm-hmm. and they kind of have a discontinuous mm-hmm. distribution. And yeah, that's good. That's just a good way. To mm-hmm, they're going to be, and they're found in relatively shallow continental shelf areas because of their hunting and eating habits. And we'll get to that a little bit in nutrition and why that matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do, they prefer, they, it's, it's, uh, almost like Goldilocks and the three bears. They prefer ice that's not too thick, um, because mm-hmm. they don't want to be in the deep water, but they, and they, but they don't want their ice to be too thin because obviously weighing right. 4,000 pounds, <laughs> crash, they yeah. would crash through it. So crash, they like yeah. basically ice just perfect that they can, uh, medium thin, I guess, if you will, or medium sized ice that they can, uh, lay on and then have easy access to food. However, mm-hmm. as we'll mm-hmm. talk, touch on later on the podcast, uh, with weather patterns changing and ice melting, that's be- harder and harder for them to find. So now they're spending more time on land than probably historically they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great, great segue. Ange. I, you know, the, the, the rabbit hole, you know, we always, each of us go down rabbit holes and, and I know you were going to bring this up too, just the global warming aspects. And we did talk about that in the polar bear episode way back when, when we were still cutting our tusks, you know, way back. <laughs> <laughs> da, da, da. Hey, I'm learning. You're teaching me. You're teaching me. But you know, the reading the studies on this, less sea ice means walruses have really uh, it affects them in many ways. One is they they like to rest on these floats when they're out hunting or gathering food. So less of those means they have to be closer to land, and they're competing with other walruses for food resources. Sure. So you're obviously going to impact there. 
and I know you're going to get to this, but walruses give birth on sea ice. They mate along its edges. So, yeah, it's going to have a major, major impact on them. You know, so we see it with the polar bears. We talked about it in reindeer a little bit. And now you have this other species that's going to be dramatically impacted. And that's why I think the IUCN is like, you know, this is bad. Sure. Is bad. Well, and the other thing, too, with them, they call it hauling out. You'll hear me talk more about in behavior. So that's mm-hmm. like like hauling oats, but like hauling out of the ice, pulling out, out of the ice in the water to go on beach. And they do this at uh, different times of the year, depending on the season. Um, but they're doing that more frequently and spending larger times on the shore than they historically would. And there's more of them. And so there's actually seeing incidents of higher death mm-hmm. rates because of trampling. So there's so many, uh, not, I oh, mean, yeah. not that there's like so, so many of them, but a large, a, they'll congregate. And then if they get spooked by something or with polar bears, now the polar bears are hunting, like they know yeah. where they're at. And now they're hunting them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they'll go run to dive in the water. And there's so many of them. And they sh- shouldn't all be there, right? All at the same time. And some, yeah, a lot of them sometimes get trampled. So, uh, which of course the right, polar bears right. are very happy about. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's definitely a, uh, this change is changing some of their behavior patterns, some of their migration patterns and overall probably their longevity. So it, it is something that. Yeah. A lot of the wal- walrus, oh, say that five times fast. Wal- walrus researchers. Yeah, <laughs> Woo, baby. That's a hard one to say. Yes. Walrus researchers yeah. and IUCN, yeah. um, they're definitely keeping an eye on these guys the best they can. But because of the circumpolar Arctic and subarctic distribution, uh, it's a hard mm. pe- species to study. And even with researchers dedicated just to looking at walrus behavior and habitat, they can only study them during certain times of the year. Absolutely agree. I mean, it's like, you know, even I remember talking to Dr. Aaron Curry, you know, our good friend, and how hard it is to to study polar bears, right? Like she was out there and and talking about how they go out on the ice and it's it's really hard to track. And uh, bless her because being out there on that ice trying to track polar bears, if I'm not in that big buggy she was driving... No I, way. I agree. <laughs> yeah, there with polar bears. Yeah, because you can't see them. They're well, they're yellow. We know that their their hair color is yellow. Well, their hair color, like. their hair is actually the, clear. Remember that fact? Yeah, that's right. They're clear. Well, that's that's a, clear. That's a, yeah, it was, but underneath is yellow, right? What, uh, underneath is yellowish yeah. color, and then of course the way that the sun reflects yeah, the yeah, light yeah. and the dirt on them and things like that. Right. Yeah, that's that's always a fun cocktail right. party um, trivia question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have this good infographic. I'm going to try to put it on the show notes, and it's from Noah. Tracking sea ice. So just some, some, some data points on that right now. And this is from 2015. So it's actually accelerating. We know global warming is accelerating some sea loss or sea ice loss. Bering Sea, the trend is about 15 days less of sea ice. They, the expert opinion is, is that sea ice has decreased by 50% in the last 20 years. It's crazy. Just in the Bering Sea. Yeah. And that's between. Yeah, the U.S. The Canada, Greenland, 20 days less. They, you know, still watching that there. The Barent Sea, so if we're going um, the other side of near Russia, down about 20 days. And so around the, these polar regions and even in Antarctica, what they're seeing, because in, in global warming, it's not so much hotter around the equator, Right, that we're worried about, which is still happening, you know, with acidification of the ocean and these other things. 
Right. It's accelerating at the polar regions. Mm-hmm. That is what has scientists scared and, and nervous. And we're seeing massive ice loss. You know, you're going to see sea change, sea levels rising, things like that. It's funny. I was just talking to my mom the other day, talking about like this poor kid just got nailed by a shark here in San Diego. And it just goes back he to was, like, he's, my very, he's okay my very, though, right? He's, he's in the yeah. hospital. Yeah, he's okay. But I mean, we were just, I mean, I was just there yesterday. Which beach was you know, it? We were driving Encinitas? down there. Uh, Lucadia. Yeah. Encinitas is right where we, we had dinner. And if I go back to the very first episode, you know, again, we were cutting our cusps. <laughs> but I did, but I did talk about studies in sharks because the water is warming up, you know, in the Eastern U.S. and the Western U.S. and other parts around the world. Attracting fish closer to the beaches, and so sharks are coming in closer and closer. So you're starting to see a little bit more conflict there. But we know, you know, we brought up. I mean, we brought it up with the rattlesnakes. You, you know, the chances of getting killed by a shark are, are really. Oh, low. my! You're more likely. But, I mean, yeah. to get yeah. killed by a cow. Yeah. So, <laughs> a cow. Don't yes. go. Yeah, yes. don't go in cow pastures. <laughs> and well, and I think sometimes yes. too, yes. the sharks. Just since we're on that little tangent, uh, yeah. that more there's more human people. That wait, let me back that sentence up. (laughs) There's more human non people. people. What kind of people? There's more people in the water and there's more there. The, the, the number, our populations have expanded there and we'd like to do more recreation things such as being in the water. So I think, Mm -hmm. and and we're keeping better track now too. So that's, you know, I think that might be some of what we see, why we see, but in general, most of the time they, they take a bite out of you and they're like, Oh my gosh, you taste like McDonald's and Taco Bell. Oh no, no McDonald's. No McDonald's is as good as a kid. It tastes like a dumpster. (laughs) Like it's bad. Yeah. They don't like it. They don't like us. They don't like us. All right. And how many species of walrus are there? There are, I used to play this game because I'm from Michigan. It's called um, spades or Euchre. Uh, A lot of people don't know these games, but it's all about keeping books. And so a lot of times in spades, you would call out your books to your partner ahead of time. Or after. Yep, yep. So I'm going to say two and a possible. Okay. Yeah, you knew this. He read it. Yeah, you're right. I so, of course I knew it. Yeah, I know you did. But you yeah, so it, yeah. maybe three, but I, I the safest bet is two and two. a possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the I'll Atlantic let you now that I got to, yeah now that I got to use my euchre and spades analogy. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you for all my fellow Michigander fans. Yeah. I I don't know who they are. Uh, maybe a. Uh, Corbin. Oh, he actually got married this past weekend. So oh, his did wife he? is from oh. Michigan. Oh, mm-hmm. congrats, Corbin. Yeah, congrats, congrats. So congratulations to him. Yeah. And I know his lovely, lovely wife that uh, puts up with him and all of his animals. She's from yeah. Michigan. So yeah. she probably knows about Euchre and spades and yeah. books. So there's my two and a possible reference for her. Okay. 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 So, yeah. So you're right. So Odobenus rosmaris, or rosmaris, is the species names. Now, do you know this? Do you know what? Odobendus means. I got to stump you sometimes. I'm so stumped. Good. Okay. Tooth walking seahorse. <laughs> okay. I love it. Anything that goes seahorse. back to horses, sign me up. <laughs> Tooth walking seahorse. And it, you know, that's how they use their tusks, you know, sure. so they watch them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I don't think it's like the seahorse, like we did the sea dragons. I think they just kind of, you know, seahorse, whatever, a, a horse that lives in the sea. But you're right. The two subspecies, the Atlantic Pacific is IUCN, and then the possible is the Laptev. But again, they think that population is kind of small and insignificant, I think is what I read. Right. Well, they think it's potent. I mean, there's studies, of course, Chris and I come up 
in this a lot with subspecies that certain studies go back and forth saying that it is actually a, a part of the Pacific um, subspecies. And then others say, Oh, well, right. but it's isolated where it's at. Mm-hmm. And that's, so it's not, it's not going to breed with any of the Pacifics because it just, it basically can't. Um, but I'm not sure how far their far apart their mitochondrial DNA is. And, and researchers estimate that the Laptive population is less than 5,000. Whereas yeah, the Pacific cool. is maybe around 200,000. Uh, and then mm-hmm. the Atlantic population is only about uh, 25,000. Yeah, they're pretty small. They're pretty small. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, we, since we haven't covered a pinniped before, so I had to do a little bit of digging with the evolution. You know, it hasn't really uh, been been talked about. I will say the walrus evolution we don't know a lot about because you know, hard to find the bones. But we'll get there. So pinnipeds, you know, you're talking about seals, sea lions, and walruses. So there's really two competing theories. The first is that a bear-like creature became the eared walruses and seals. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then an otter-like animal evolved into the other seals. But okay. if you do if you do go back, they did have a, a common ancestor. And the Enelartus, <laughs> these, these scientific <laughs> words... NL Artos is the most common ancestor found and lived about 30 million years ago. Okay. Oh, wow. So, okay. yeah. And when you say earless seals, like I was like, oh, yeah, you know, because you see seal lions, leopard seals, one we have to cover. They're, those guys are amazing. Um, the elephant seals, when you think of a monk seal, right, mm-hmm. or a harbor seal, they don't have the ears that these other ones do. So that's the difference between that. Now, they used to think these early species of walrus – Again, another fun fact. Thank you, Heidi. Is there used to be walruses with four tusks? Wow, that's <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, yeah. I have to find a picture of it. Um, but they used to hunt on land a little bit, and then they went to the water because it just got too hot. So, what would the four tusks be? Top and bottom, or four hanging yeah, out the top? So. Or I think two it was hanging out the top. I gotta look. Yeah, I gotta look. I gotta look. I gotta look. I'm fascinated. Um, Thank you, Heidi. Now, here was a cool fact. Walruses used to live in tropical areas. Really? But then it just got too hot. Okay. Yeah. And then they moved north and they, you know, obviously to survive. What is crazy is their feet. Oh my God, Angie, these things are crazy looking. So the front flippers look like what you think of a, a flipper. So people that have, have seen walruses or pictures of walruses, you know, like any other seal or, 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 you know, in their hands, there's the two flippers webbed. Their hind feet, so they're still a little bit back in evolution, mm-hmm. but I'm looking at this picture, and I will put this on the show notes for sure. They are freaky looking. They're like five toes with fingernails, and they can use them to grasp. It's, it looks like a mummy. I'm telling you, it looks like a mummy. Yeah, hand. I love it. it almost bizarre. Or I think it kind of almost looks like a, a gorilla's hand, if you will. Like, yeah. Uh, yes. But of yes, course, like webbed, yeah, webbed and sure. different, and I don't know. But you got to check it out. Yeah, please put those notes on the show. Yeah, uh, yeah. Put those um, photos on the show notes because yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Well, and I was reading that um, a twenty eight thousand year old fossil was recently dredged up in San Francisco Bay. And so it was oh, wow, basically okay. indicating that the Pacific walruses had ranged as far mm-hmm. south as San Francisco during the last oh, ice yeah. age. Right, right. Yeah, that's important to remember. It, it, it's, you know, the tropical locations. I don't think they were sunning themselves when it was 100 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, they were that far south. 
And then as the ice receded and their, their prey items moved farther north, they followed. And the current walrus population that we have have evolved to what they are today, about two and a half million years. So oh, okay, wow. The, the version we have now has, has been that way. So yeah, they, they've got a, a steep history, a steep history. And well, and I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was reading between the Atlantic and Pacific subspecies. So cause some people are like, oh, subspecies don't matter or whatever. Mm-hmm, we don't mm-hmm, say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that, that basically, um, uh, um, a gene flow analysis showed that they, their separation was about uh, half a million to three quarters mm-hmm. of a million years mm-hmm. ago. So they've been, yeah. they've been separate for a long time. Yeah. And it's, it's just, oh, it's like, you know, we, I, I go back to the blue whales. Cause I, I mean, that's that a long, a- that's such a long time. I don't, yeah. I don't think we ever are able to over the air or even as humans grasp yeah. the time. Yeah. How long that long. is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's geologically, it's still like a blink, but it's so long. So like I was just, yeah, cause I was listening to giraffes again uh, today. Just kind of get in the mood, you know, for the podcast. And sure, so I like do your stretches, about, do your vocal stretches. Yeah, I was doing my mental, you know. Okay, how do we do the drafts? So, you know, and I was talking about. I how watched. Long I watched football. To get I watched football and went for a run. <laughs> That's how I got. <laughs> no, I was driving around, and so I'm listening to the giraffe episode, and I'm like, it took them so long to get these huge necks, and they're endangered, or they're on the endangered species list now. Same thing with walruses, you know, two and a half million years. I mean, 30 million years of evolution. It's, it's, it breaks my heart. It just does. Well, these animals. And, well yeah. and then you look at these, these silly looking walrus toe pad flipper yeah. things. <laughs> they're know. clearly not done evolving. <laughs> no, they need, they're still going. Yeah. They need like another half a million years to finish out whatever that flipper is going to look like. And so for us to, either hunt them to extinction for their resources uh, mm-hmm. and or with global climate change to wipe them out. It would be really sad, but it is, I mean, with that being said, it is important to note that walruses are besides just being an iconic symbol of the Arctic, right? There really are mm-hmm. culturally mm-hmm. important to indigenous people. And for years mm-hmm. they've been critical for a lot of these mm-hmm. uh, Inuit populations to subsist, right? No, um, I right, mean, they right, hunt them right. and use them for oil, their ivory, their, um, their hides. And uh, so, and, you know, from in Alaska and Canada and Russia, they, their meat, their bone, I mean, every, they're using every piece of them. But yes, like mm-hmm, you said, mm-hmm. their population due to this overhunting was almost wiped them out. But governments got together and uh, throughout mm-hmm. the years, there's been several regulations made. And we'll talk a little bit more of that towards the end of the podcast when we get into conservation of what, uh, what actions are being taken. But yeah, that, that it would be, they, they are starting to recover. And of course, some mm. of these, um, Inuit cultures are still able to, um, depending on what country they originate from, they can still hunt certain small numbers that they think are sustainable, um, yeah. to help them with their livi- livelihood, mm. um, and because of their cultural traditions. And they're, Theoretically, they're, we don't, they're pop, like, we want their populations to be in healthy numbers so those cultures can do what they've historically done for years. And, but yeah, and so it, they just, they, they just have a really long history having a good ec- economically important, or I don't know if economical is the right role, but a word. Cultural. Cultural, yeah, positive mm-hmm. impact 
on humans. And so luckily there's lots of good humans that are looking out for them and trying mm-hmm. to uh, work with them. But the, as you mentioned, um, global climate change is going to be a worldwide. It can't just be one or yeah. it can't be 10 countries. Yeah. It can't be yeah. a few people. It's going to have to be a worldwide movement in order to help, obviously, not only the walruses, but many, 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 many species. Yes, for sure. For sure. And these, you know, getting into how long they live, I, you know, I know last week we talked about giraffes and it was like 20, 25 years. These walruses can live up to 40. Yeah. So oh, yeah. long, long lifespan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If we were walruses, well, at least me, I'd be dead. Not me. <laughs> I'd be still, I'd still be kicking it with my, I'd have like, an, I'd have like another different. year left with my little weird flipper fingers. <laughs> Yeah. Now, some cool things. I know we were talking about tusks. So the, the male tusks are slightly longer and thicker. Mm-hmm. This is cool behavior. The bigger they are, the more respect they get. Oh, absolutely. I was I, yeah. I was going to touch on that uh, when we get to this. Okay. So we'll no, talk no, about no, it. We'll talk no, about no, no. But let's okay. keep, okay. let's keep yeah. focusing on their tusks because I think that that's okay. such the icon, one of the iconic, the parts about yeah. them. And if you break it, you're if you break off a tusk, you're a chump. So you're like, you're, you're, you, you just fell off the Back totem. down. Yep. Down yeah. the totem pole, my friend. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. The girls don't um, want you. Sorry, bud. Well, and speaking of tusks and size, I was reading that, uh, uh, both male and female tusks can reach a length of one meter. Yeah. Three feet. Yeah. Like super, a meter. Super. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. They're huge. That's They're huge. huge. Yeah. And they can yeah. weigh up to um, five and a half kegs or 12 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but geez, Louise. Uh, yeah. But the average they're, size they're, is probably about half of that, probably maybe half a meter, I yeah. guess, is the quote unquote right. average size. Right, right. And the, the, the tusks are just so critical. And, you know, I guess we're jumping a little bit to behavior, but stuff I was reading was like digging holes in ice, help them to climb. So we said the, the you know, using them to, to move around. This was cool. Did you, I don't know if you read this. They sleep with their tusks in ice. They'll go and stick their tusks in ice to hold themselves while they sleep so they don't float off. That's awesome. My yeah. my son Xander needs one of those because I tell you what, yeah. that four and a half year old, he moves around his bed so much. I don't even know, know. what to do about it. He ends up upside down and backwards and goodness gracious, <laughs> the nights that he comes in and sleeps with me, it's like a, it's like a workout. So I would, I yeah, wish he had yeah. something like a tusk or something they had to like just to secure them in the same <laughs> spot for goodness yeah. sakes. Uh, yeah. but no, Chris. Yeah. These tusks can break through 20 centimeters of ice. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. So this one, I was excited to, to research cause you were a swimmer. They can swim up mm-hmm. to you ready. Okay. 21 miles per hour or 35 kilometers per hour. That is fast. That is pretty fast. Now, average is like seven or eight miles per hour. I guess so. It's so bad to have stereotypes because you just think like, oh, because they're these big blubbery kind of things that they can't, they can't (laughs) swim that fast. But wow. Sausages. That's incredible. All right. So if you're in a pool with a walrus, how fast do you think the fastest human ever, how fast they can swim? 
Oh man. And you used to swim. So how fast do you think you swim? Well, I wasn't a, I wasn't a sprinter. I yeah. was more of an endurance swimmer. Okay. I did the okay. two, I did the 200 and the 500. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sprinting was not, wouldn't have been me. Um, yeah. how fast, uh, mm, 15 miles per hour. So you think you can almost out swim a walrus? No, no, maybe like 12. I'm trying to think of me on my moped. It's... <laughs> Back in the day, I, I inherited this moped from my sister that I think mopeds usually only go like 30 miles an hour. And I think by the time yeah, I got yeah, it, yeah. this one went like 20, maybe Wonder. like going downhill, uphill. It was Not like even 12. Close. Not even close. The fastest human ever recorded is about five miles per hour. Really? Or eight. Yes, the sprinter is a French guy. He like set the world record. I guess that in makes speed. sense. So yeah, because you can run. So humans can run faster than they can swim. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, yes, I guess yes, that yes. makes much, sense. much, much faster. Huh. So got, if you're in a pool with a walrus, you better. Uh, He's laughing gonna, you. Yeah. He is like, yes, yeah, forget about yes. it. You, well, hold oh, hold yeah, on yeah. to his cute little chubby weird toes, his back yeah, flippers, yeah, yeah. and then and then you'll just be going as you'll be going fat faster than um. Oh man, my brain is not working tonight. What's the gold medal guy? Who's Bolt? No, the um the swimmer. Oh, Michael okay. Phelps. Yeah, just hold on to those chunky little flipper hind toes, and you'll be doing laps uh, past Michael Phelps over and over, right? Oh, easily, easily, Gosh, well, easily, that's, easily. Man, yeah, I, I didn't. Look, you're stumping me all over the place tonight. So that's good. Good, that's good. good. Little factoids, little little factoids. All right, and the final factoid is they can d- dive up to 90 meters, and then they can stay underwater for up to 30 minutes. Yeah, that was. Yeah, 30 so, minutes is very yeah, impressive. Yeah. Um, however, I was reading yeah. that they're obviously can dive deep, <laughs> comparatively speaking. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, they don't. They're not as deep of divers as a lot of the other pinnipeds. Right. Be- right, right but it's because right. of their and food source. They don't need to go as deep, I suppose. As deep. Yeah. To, to find stuff. Now, my final factoid before uh, we jump to some cool physiology, because I know you have some ready to go and I have some ready to go. All right. So a group of walruses, you know, we already said it was kind of a herd, a pod mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the favorite. What do you think the favorite is? And you were watching this earlier today, so you might have seen it. Oh, I was going to say Tuskers. Uh, Tuskers is cool, but that, no. that's, you know, that's like elephants. elephants or something, yeah. So you were watching this while you were trying to prep for the podcast. What YouTube videos of walruses? <laughs> what do they do on the, the, the screen that your husband loves to watch on a Sunday? Oh, football. Yeah, so a, a, a huddle. They call them a huddle. a huddle. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Cute. Yeah, there you go. Well, they do. They are, they're all like on, if you watch these videos and stuff, they're, or photos, they're mm-hmm. all huddled together. Yeah. I mean, they're on top of each other. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. So that's that cool. Company, what you know. a great fa- fact. Yeah. I love that. A huddle of walruses. All right. So you said, said something about sensory, right? And speaking of senses, walruses have a great sense of hearing and it's believed that they can hear calls up to a mile away. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, though, they have small eyes and mm-hmm. their sight isn't necessarily the best as far as seeing up close. And they so they rely more on their whiskers. Yes. For so cool. to, to, to feel things and sense things. And, of course, the depths deep down, why would you really need good eyesight anyways? Uh but do you know what uh, another word for whiskers are? 
Uh, oh, bristles, stiff bristles. What I saw it. What was? You're, you you got, got me. You've got a lot of letters in there that are correct. The the B yeah. R's and the I's and S's, <laughs> but it's it's um vibrisse. Oh, with a, okay. With okay. a V, okay. with a V as yeah, a picture. Okay, yeah, okay, vibrisse. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that helps them. If if anybody hasn't looked at the face of the walrus, Chris will put some cool photos up on mm, our yeah. show notes, or of course you can just Google it. But mm. their whiskers don't go necessarily out like a cat's they go they're thick and they kind of go down and out and they use them to feel around on the ocean floor and they're not like cat whiskers at all they're like a mat of stiff bristles so Mm -hmm. vibrisa vibrisa and once again it gives them this kind of character cartoonish like appearance with these whiskers they can have 400 to 700 and 13 to 15 rows Reaching, how long do you think? Twelve. I have twelve inches. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 A foot. A foot. Like that's that's my foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my foot's a size twelve. Like that mm-hmm. is crazy. Yeah. Long. And they're really thick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really- now, oftentimes they, uh, depending on this hunting, and uh, they can they will get worn down and they'll be shorter. Do if they're doing a lot of constant mm-hmm. foraging. But I kind of went down the rabbit hole of whiskers this week. And I will not okay, okay. bore our audience <laughs> with it. Um, but recently in the physiology class that I'm teaching now. Yes. Yeah. You're uh, past bones, right? Yeah. We are past bones. We're on muscles. Yeah. But we also did okay. skin. And so okay. with skin, the integumentary system mm-hmm. comes uh, hair, of course, as part of it. Right, right. And so I just really started thinking about like whiskers and how that is moved into the skin system and what that means, especially for animals that like our hair doesn't really do much for us. We get goosebumps, but, and our, (laughs) of course our hair on our head makes us look pretty or uh, stylish. Maybe it protects us from the sun, but whiskers and eyebrows, eyebrows, think about it. Eyebrows, you know, whenever you work out, like you said, you went for a run today, that sweat. So it serves a purpose, right? Physiology keeps that sweat from really getting into your eyes because when that happens it unless sucks. you're like me and you don't really have eyebrows I, I do they're, they're blonde <laughs> they're blonde so uh, but yeah I've got big bushy ones and I, my, my slav in me but yeah, yeah yeah so but with these whiskers they're actually attached to muscles in the mm-hmm. walrus in its face and they are supplied with blood and nerves making them really sensitive organs that can, they're capable, Chris, of differentiating shapes that are basically less than 0.1 inches or three millimeters, like how small is that, uh, thick and two millimeters wide. So they basically, Crazy. yeah, they, they, they help them find their, find their food and navigate the ocean floor. It is, it is, it is really, the physiology was really cool. So their blubber, is up to six inches thick in some areas or 15 centimeters. That's, that's right? some real blubber there. So, mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, obviously to survive in that cold, they need it. But in the winter, they said it could be up to like a third of their total sure, body weight. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Now the males and, you know, I, I didn't have time to go down this rabbit hole, but they have the nodules around the neck called bosses. Mm-hmm. So they have like those bumps everywhere. What and I looked like, what's the purpose yeah. of it? It's, it, I don't know. It, it, you know, I don't know. Connective tissue. I think what I think it is, is really to protect them when they fight, 
right? It just gives them more protection because they do slash each other with their, their tusks. Um, but I, I tried to look it up and then I got, I went, you know, like, Oh, right. So once yeah. again, if you're looking at a picture, we kind yeah. of talked about this last week in giraffes with their ossicones and their horns. If you see bumps all over a male's horns and even into his face and jowls uh, of giraffe, mm-hmm. that's not a sign he's sick or disease or anything. That's just how they age mm-hmm. and they have calcium. Mm-hmm. With giraffes, we know it's calcium deposits. But with mm-hmm. walruses, mm-hmm. you're saying these bumps, researchers don't really, it's just either connective tissue or more skin or blubber. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's crazy. And then, but they don't know. They don't necessarily know the purpose of it. No, right? no. I I looked for it and I couldn't find anything on it. They just they, and, they call them bosses, like a boss on a shield. You know, the the front part of it. So, okay. And I think that's what it is. Is more pride to protect. It just makes sense. You know, again, if we think about evolution and and how things develop, you know, the the males that have more of these are probably going to be able to survive and fights better, things like that, because they get bloody. I mean, mm-hmm. but they have that thick skin, and you know, their their skin's up to four inches around the neck, like it's really thick skin, right? And that thick layer thick of blood blubber. So now this was the cool one. This was the factoid of the day that I just was like, Ooh, wow, I'm, wow. I'm on pins and needles. Yes, what is it? Yes. Okay. So in their throat. Walruses have pharyngeal pouches on both sides of their esophagus that mm-hmm. can fill up with air, can hold up to 13 gallons. 13 gallons. What? 13 50 gallons? Li- 50 liters of air. I couldn't it- even I couldn't even finish a gallon of milk this week. No, like, 13. 13. Well, they're what? huge. I mean, 4,000 pounds. But sure. think about it. It is like a balloon that mm-hmm. helps them keep their head up above water. So they just bob. And they have all this air in their throat that makes them bob and they can sleep. <laughs> that is incredible. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. like deflate. It doesn't like. No. No. no they're just in there floating along. And you see this walrus <sighs> with this huge air pocket in their throat that keeps them floating. Like that is so Chris, crazy. I love I physiology. That. Like what in the world? What? We should yeah. name this podcast. What in the world animals? That is <laughs> yes, so cool. Wow. That was, that was the one I read. I just, my eyes got big. I was like, are you kidding me? And these are pharyngeal yeah. pockets, you say? Yeah, pouches around pouches. the esophagus. That they can, <gasps> like, hold your breath. You know, like, if anybody that floats in the pool, you, you know, inflates sure. lungs. The, they just inflate these sacks and then just, just hold it. Man. And just float along. Floating just and bobbing along. Sleeping <laughs> and chilling. Really, literally yeah. chilling because the water's so cold. But they have so yeah, much blubber yeah, that yeah. they're, like, happy and fine with it. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Now, the walruses do have two main predators, polar bears and killer whales. But I was reading, you know, they're, I mean, we, we did talk about the polar bears, especially on land. They don't get preyed on all that much, and they can harm or kill a polar bear with their tusks. Sure, so, sure. In defense of themselves, they can. And then you talked about humans. I mean, obviously humans are a major problem with them, but the the native people are allowed to hunt them, and they use every piece of it, like, those crazy toes. Yeah, and it's, it's very well restricted, and each country kind of has their own limits and boundaries and things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, the whiskers, you know, is important because they're diets. Mm-hmm. So, clam, shrimp, corals, sea cucumbers, other mollusks, crabs. Mm-hmm. So, man, they, they eat some good seafood. I know. <laughs> I'm hungry. I, I'm going to go eat. I'm going to go get some, some clams, uh, clam chowder or, or a linguine with clams. Oh, yes. 
That's a good one. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. So you're right. They use these whiskers. And this is so funny. They they seize their prey with their lips. And then they can suck out the mollusks with like a quick piston-like with their tongues. So they have like incredible suction. They go, and they eat. Yum. There's one yeah. clam. There's one. There's yeah, yeah, they do. They do this like piston, like tongue rapid movement with their mouth and they yeah. create a vacuum. And their yeah. palate at the top of their mouth is uniquely vaulted to enable the suction mm-hmm. as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, once again, I guess if we went yeah. to an oyster bar or an all you can eat clam yeah. bake, they yeah. would blow you out of the water. <laughs> Y'all easily, easily. They beat you every time if it was a competition. Yeah, because they eat up to 5% of their body weight a day and I, somewhere like five to 6,000. Yeah, 25 kilograms of small benthic organisms per day. Per day, 25 kigs. That's Crazy. a lot of food. So, and just, it's, it's worth putting here because, you know, we get to, to behavior and repro because it's amazing stuff. Again, if they're eating 6,000 clams, one feeding, and you have this density of walruses on a coast somewhere because they can't go out and forage. You know, that's why. Hold on. Yeah. Time out. Did you say 6,000 clams yes. in one feeding? Yeah. Okay. Because I read each each time a walrus dives down to eat, they can consume up to 60 clams. I had 6,000. But that might be, that might like, be um, like dive, in a day in a dive, or something. Yeah, yeah. So I got it off. Well, this says this says in a dive it's sixty clams, six, six, but maybe in a day it's sixty 6, clams would be nothing to a walrus. Yeah, like sixty. No, but just per yeah, dive. Yeah, per dive. Like not in a okay, not in okay. a day. I don't know. I don't know. Six thousand clams in a day, maybe. Yeah, in a feeding. Well, I, I think it's know. like that. I, I, and I think when I say six thousand clams in a single feeding, that's like when they go out and forage for a while and then come back to sleep. You know, it's it's not like oh they dive sure. and. Do eat six thousand clams in thirty minutes? Like that's insane. <laughs> that's talk, talk, they would win. They would win the like the national hot dog yeah, eating contest. Yeah, yeah, that's that's insane. But probably like you know when they go out to forage because you know you're going to get into behavior here in a minute. They will you know go out and eat, eat, eat like five percent of body weight and then come back and sleep and digest mm-hmm. and go. Oh, that was a good dinner. Oh, I want seafood. Now. Uh, God, I want seafood. I know. <laughs> it's like, uh, so what are some behaviors? I, yeah, yeah. Um, well, Chris, researchers definitely know a lot of parts about their behavior, but there still is a great deal to learn about them in their natural environment. Since they live in obviously a very cold weather and spend a lot of their time in their water, it's really tough for researchers to understand the full range of what they're doing every day, all day long. Uh, now, more recently, researchers have started to use tracking devices and aerial sur- surveillance, and of course, um, even observing walruses living under human care, so they can start to learn more about their physiology and why they do what they do in order to best help protect them. Mm-hmm. But so there's there's parts and pieces missing. But in general, we know that females spend more time on their ice opposed to males. Uh, males will spend more time on the land. Uh, either either on sandy or boulder beaches. They do migrate north during the summer and south during the winter. Mm-hmm. Which is that's kind of what uh my my, my yeah. mom that's what my mom does. She's she plays the game very well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Snowbird. <laughs> yes, yeah, she's a snowbird. So she's in Michigan in the summer and then as the weather gets cold in Michigan, she drops down to Florida. Uh 
And what these migrations do for the walruses is they ensure that they're basically on optimal ice. What we talked about the the um, um, the Goldilocks of is that is this the porridge, right? The Goldilocks, three little bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gold, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Goldilocks and three bears. Yeah. Yep. They're like Goldilocks of, of ice, right? So they want to, they want to follow mm-hmm. that uh, optimal ice. Regarding their social structure, walruses live in herds or what did you, what was the fun word? Huddles. Huddles, Huddles or pods. Yeah, yeah, uh, but they live in a hierarchical yeah. system based on, like Chris said, tusk, but also age, body size, and of course, tusk length. And the other thing is kind of unique about their herd, I guess, suppose as to some other species we've talked about is they're very social and they spend most of their time with other walruses, but it's usually of the same sex. So when you see those big huddles, like you're going to answer at the end of the podcast mm-hmm. of how many were found at one point in time on whatever beach, the mystery is, I don't yes. know the answer. So I'm, ex- yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick around. It's not New Zealand. It's not I'll Florida, tell you right? It's not San Francisco. <laughs> We've already come up no. with that. It's not Michigan. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so yeah. when you see that, that's typically going to be walruses of the same sex. So mm-hmm. females stay with females and males will stay with um, males basically until it's breeding time. So okay. yeah, okay. and like you said, there, these groups can, or these herds or huddles can range from hundreds to thousands. And in the winter and summer, the males and females, they do come together in large groups Um for breeding purposes, picking out mates and things like that. Uh, and they will sometimes even pile on top of each other. And that's, I think, per- perhaps where the huddle, the huddle has come yeah. from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it comes from. And, um, uh, species after my own heart, walruses are very vocal communicators. That's one of their main ways to communicate. Yes. And they communicate during mating season and the mothers will communicate to the calves. They'll communicate to establish dominance. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just, and they have basically a series of grunts and barks they'll use depending on what situation it is. And let me see if I can pull mm-hmm, up mm-hmm. some walrus cause barks or grunts for everyone. Chris, that was E.T., the walrus, I love the name, uh, practicing his vocalizations at the Point Defiance Zoo and Aquarium. And there was a show of mm-hmm. all of, a large variety of the different sounds that they can make. And it was, uh, we'll put the video on, um, on the show notes because it's just so cool. And you can hear the trainer cueing him and clearly shows that a, he's having a blast and enjoying himself and really wants to work with the keeper in order to probably earn his clams or mollusks or whatever treat she's feeding him. And it goes to show too, as a pinniped and just in general from notes of people that have worked with, worked with walruses when they're under human care is that they're extremely intelligent animals and very, very charismatic, which I mean, you, I can just tell in this video, I, I've, I've, I've obviously mm-hmm. never worked with walruses or any pinnipeds for that matter. Um, but you, yeah, you can just tell that they, I bet they'd be so fun to work with. Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. Mm-hmm, they'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's yeah, they're fun to watch, and and I, I bet you they'd be fun to study. Now, the repro part, I'm gonna I'm gonna just say this here before we started recording. <laughs> Again, PG thirteen moms and dads out there, so you can skip ahead a little bit, a few minutes if you want. But you know, this made me think of Corbin when we uh, first did his show a few months back and talking about male anatomy. I was privy to a conversation that Angie was having with her husband and I was laughing in the background because they were just going back and forth about male penises and stuff. And I was like, Oh guys, come on bedroom talk later. (laughs) But it was the dirtiest science thing. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. I wish I was recording. Oh, it was so It was so nerdy. It was so sciencey, and we were actually talking yes, about yes. Baculums. So there you go. There you go. Take and, off. Mm-hmm. We're talking about baculums, and so baculum is the penile bone. And my husband and walruses have them, mm-hmm. and most a lot of mammals have them: dogs, cats, bears, seals, sea lions, rodents, and, and chimpanzees, uh, gorillas. Interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. Humans don't have them, obviously. There's not a penile bone in a male penis, as well as um, mm-hmm. cetaceans don't have them. And there's some there's some other ones in there. But it is – my husband was really surprised that um, a walrus had one. And he was telling me some stories um, about walruses that uh, he has never worked with under human care, but some of his friends have. And he would see some of the training sessions and – Anyways, he was just really surprised about the penile bone and the walrus, and due to the due to the size pretty, um, and, uh, of the uh, of the walrus um, say. male anatomy, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, of yeah. his male anatomy, which is, yeah. I mean, he's a big guy, so he's a big, he's it's a, still he's not a big the blue animal, whale. and it's still not the blue so, whale. Yeah. No, so not the blue whale. And so um, the the baculum, the bone itself, can be up to twenty five mm-hmm. inches in length. And so um, I don't know relative to, you know, than the actual penis size, um, how how much bigger that is, but yeah, so big. Um, and it is the largest of any land mammal, both in size and act Mm -hmm. uh, the baculum is as far as size and relative to body size. So my husband though, so I just told him he's, he's watching football and relaxing. The kids are in bed. And I said, just do yourself a favor. It's super fascinating. Uh, Google, (laughs) Google baculum. On a commercial break, like don't don't miss any football because football is a big priority in this. Can house. I just say what he don't said? Don't miss any football. Can I just say what he said? He's like, I forgot uh, what he said. He's it like, no, it's it's rated G. He's like, you're the researcher. Oh, yeah. When did this become my job? <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because I was talking about the evolution right, right. and why humans don't have them, and so, anyways, I was just a fascinating read, and I was reading it while I was watching football during commercial breaks earlier today. And so, wrapping all that up is yes, a walrus has a baculum, but in, it is in Alaska. It's called an usik. Mm-hmm. It which re- refers to the male uh, penile bone, mm-hmm. and. A lot of times they will be sold as trinkets or at, um, sometimes used as tools. Um, and so, yeah, it's always, it could be potentially a running joke. Uh, I mean, I think they are, you could probably find one on eBay for like 200 bucks or whatever. Um, however, once again, you, yeah, you, you hope that no, no walrus is harmed in making an Usyk. And I don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't think it's a commodity these days. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, yes, keep. Uh, so I do not support purchasing any no. walrus baculums for the no. record. Yes. Um, however, sometimes, yeah, I think it can be like a kitschy thing if you go to um, certain countries or whatnot. But don't mm-hmm. do it. It is interesting. And uh, so, yes, but walruses in general are polygynous, meaning that one male will mate with many females. And a male doesn't reach such sexual maturity until seven to eight. 10 years old, mm-hmm. but he probably won't have the right to breed and be successful at it until he's 15, Chris. Yeah. yeah 15. Easily. Yeah. He's got to grow those tusks. Mm-hmm. And females too, they don't mature sexually um, until they're five to seven years old. Mm-hmm. So we're talking an animal that lives to be 40 yeah. with a, yeah, a long generation interval. Right. And walruses are going to breed in January through April. Um, and during both the winter and summer months, both males and females will gather together in the thousands to breed. Um, so I guess technically that large herd that you're going to tell us about at the end of the podcast could have been males mm-hmm. and females, um, mix, mix. It could have been a mix or it could have been just males or just females. Um, but yeah, these, both of the sexes will congregate in what, what's called haul out sites. These sites where they haul out of the water, which are usually rocky or sandy beaches and they pick mates and yeah, they pick mates obviously based on dominance, tusk size, things like that. And the males will make some of those mating calls to attract a female. Um, I, I don't know if that would work for me personally, but yeah, there's real guttural kind of loud barks and mating calls and they mark their territory that way. And then underwater, they make that whistle sound that you heard in the, um, in the audio mm-hmm. and then thumping noises. Like, I don't know what they thump with or how they thump. That's, I couldn't find the answer to that, but they'll do that to get attention of the female. Like, Hey, you, Hey, you. Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah. these, no, but the lady, that's enough for the ladies. They're like, all right. And so yeah. they, they come towards the male and then other, the less dominant males stay away. And. When it does actually come to mating, the, of course, the strongest and the largest and the oldest male gets to mate with, with the females. Um, there are tusk fights sometimes to establish who's going to breed with who. And, but when it is determined who's going to be with who, who is going to breed with who, who, they actually breed in the water. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I want to jump in real quick because shout out to Jonathan Cowart. If you haven't listened to the interview about the manatee repro, it's episode 38. He is one of the few in the world that understand this and he's almost done with his PhD. So it'll be Dr. Cowart here soon. Great guy. He, that was one in our, one of our committee meetings, one of the first committee meetings we had a couple years ago, we were talking about manatees mating in the water and it just, we were talking about like, you know, the salt water have an effect on, you know, sperm quality and survival. Interesting. Yeah. Because. Yeah. And like how that happens. And yeah. So just the mating and and we still like, obviously don't fully understand it because he's one of the few people on earth that are studying it in manatees. And so imagine with walruses, not that many people are studying no. walruses either. So, you know, you think about mating whales and dolphins and, and other species that are, you know, aquatic mammals. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting that they mate in water and then how that whole process sure. happens you know, without. Sure. Well, and with the other thing that's really interesting, Chris is like once they do mate in the water and they're successful at it, they, uh, female Mm -hmm. walruses experience delayed embryo implantation. 
Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so the average gestation period for a female walrus is 15 months. However, she's actually only really pregnant, pregnant for 330 days um, of that. So what, so basically it's a four to five month delayed egg implantation. Implantation. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that the sperm and egg have fertilized and they formed what's known as a blastula. So it's a multi-celled embryo, but it's suspended in development and it just hangs out. And I think, you know, researchers don't fully understand it. Um, but then somehow after four or five months, something something hormonal or dietary, maybe, um, that or yeah, dietary triggers are hormone, which then basically triggers it to then the, embryo implants itself in the uterus like nothing happened and and it goes on for the next um however many months that is what's the math there uh 10 months nine nine to ten months or whatever uh well yeah 11 330 yeah to actually yeah oh see look at you you're so good with that quick math (laughs) that's why you get paid the big bucks right um yeah yeah oh yeah uh, and so yeah but yeah and so then and then the embryo goes on to develop and it must have something to do with enough resources of, um, but because of that, then the, uh, since they breed between January and April, the baby walrus is born the next year between April and June, which is this mm-hmm. approaching the summertime where I'm sure food is more plenty. Uh, yeah. And, and I'll, how much do you think a walrus pup weighs? Ooh, if mama's 2,800 uh, hundred and well, horses are uh, okay. Three hundred pounds? Ah, uh, not not quite. Um, sixty kilograms. Two fifty. Okay, sixty kilograms. So that's two. So about two point two six twelve. Uh, am I doing one fifty? One forty. One fifty. I was gonna say one fifty, but then I went. See, there was my math. I had some all right math there for a second. Okay. Um, yeah. So pretty big. That's a big boy and girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. mm-hmm. And they, they know how to swim and which is great because that helps the mom be able to protect them. And before the calves are weaned, they live with a herd of the females. So that's when they'll be in the all female group and they're very, very dependent on their mom. So their mom, walruses are mama babies. I would like them. (laughs) My boys are starting to not need me. No, just kidding. Uh, Xander, Xander's a mama's boy. Zach, I don't know. He is, uh, he's just, well, he's two. So it's all about like, I can do it and that's yeah, it. But yeah, 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 yeah. he can oh. get where he can, he can snuggle down when he really needs to. He's, he can, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but anyways, uh, so yeah, they, they basically are with their moms for a long time. I think I, I'd have to look at, I'll be interested to see, uh, when we do other pinnipeds, but they're with their mom till about at least three. So they're not even weaned till oh, they're wow. three. Yeah. They're only learning to scavenge for food when they're like two. So, yeah. yeah. That is a long time. Mm-hmm. That is a long time. And because time. of that, so the mom is only going to produce a calf every um, three years. One calf every three years. Yeah. Um, if she's lucky, yeah. right? So, yeah, not mm-hmm. a high turnover rate. A lot of maternal investment. And, and it's probably the skill set of hunting the way that they do it and then sucking the clams and all that. It probably takes the the pup a while to learn that, which is maybe why they stay with them for so long. No, we, and we did talk about the conservation, you know, vulnerable. And before we get to organizations, just real quick, I'm going to jump ahead with conservation tips. So the important thing I think is again, global warming. So this week, 
And I thought last week we talked about the filters in your home. So check that out. This week, car or garage. So the Energy Star system, they're talking about give your car a break, combine trips when possible, use mass transit, walk Mm -hmm. or bike if you can. But leaving your car at home just two days a week will set, will save up to 1,600 pounds of greenhouse gas emissions per year. Wow. So that's a huge, huge impact. So I, you know, see, I cannot wait to yeah. tell that to John because we are uh, carpooling him and I yes. to work Smart. two days a week. Yep. So I, you're making an impact. Yes. We're doing yes, an impact yes. just because, and yes. also we're cheap. So it's making, it's yes, making yes. A, um, a global or a, a climate impact or yeah. an energy impact, but it's also helping save our, our right. uh, an economic impact. So, wow, no, that's really good to know. And, yeah. it, and it really hasn't been hard. I mean, we have to plan better and organize better. Yeah. And yeah. And he has to cut his day a little shorter than he would, and I have to stay yeah. cut, make mine a little bit longer with the kids, longer. and we, we basically right. hang outside the zoo. They're so wild; I don't even bring them in the zoo anymore. <laughs> they're just, yeah, they're like <laughs> just stick them in a cage. Right? Yeah, they're just like so <laughs> wild. So we hang out. We try to hang out front, but even then, they were like picking yeah. flowers the other day, and I'm like, oh geez. So, but yeah, so it, it's it's theoretically it's uh, in a yeah. perfect world, it's slightly uncomfortable because. We're all, you know, tired from school and from work. And so yeah, we're ready to go home, day, yeah. but I've just made it fun. I bring snacks, we play games and yeah. I was just doing it. Like I said, I guess I didn't know more for the money. And just cause I know it's the right thing to do. I didn't know that it actually mm-hmm. ma- that it made that huge impact. 1600 pounds a year. And you're doing your, pounds. your justice. I'm going to start just walking to the gym. And that's yeah, like half else. of a walrus, right? Yeah. I know. <laughs> well, female. Yeah. So then. Other things is, you know, make sure you maintain your car. It maximizes fuel efficiency. This is the big one. I know most, most people might have heard this before, but check your tire pressure. Under inflated tires, you get less. Yeah, gas that's huge. That's Absolutely. Huge. And that's an easy yeah. one to do. Fill yeah. those, fill yeah. those bad so, boys so up. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So who do we get support for walruses? Well, Chris, for conservation for walruses, not surprising, um, but there's not really a ton of individual conservation groups that focus just on walruses. Uh, mm-hmm. I did find, of course, that the World Wildlife Fund, WWF, they are working to help the walrus as they realize that it's a keystone species in the Arctic marine system and it really faces climate change and that if something's not done to help the walrus, that it probably has the ability to go extinct like many other marine species that depend on the Arctic and subarctic climates. And so the World Wildlife Fund, they have basically been recommending actions for walruses, including um, what the effects of industrial activities. We didn't really touch on that yet in the podcast today, but a lot of industrial activities and pollution, no, no. noise pollution, and obviously toxicants, oil and gas has a oil big gas, impact yeah. on their home range. Um, they've also created like tools for mariners where they've made maps and posters um, for can- Canadian ships in the Arctic to help them identify and avoid marine mammals that might be mi- migrating. And they're reducing shipping impacts in Greenland and working on reducing oil spills and risks of that. And since 2013, the World Wildlife Fund has basically trying to collect DNA samples from the walruses in the Laptive Sea 
to determine their uh, relation to the mm-hmm. Pacific and or Atlantic. So um, determining if it's a subspecies or not. So a lot of work by the World Wildlife Fund. You should love them on Facebook, not even like them, just straight up love them. <laughs> and, um, and of course, go to their, they've got tons of information. Their website's fantastic. Yes. Yes. Um, and if you follow them on the different social media sites, you get a lot, your, your feed will be uh, pretty entertaining and interesting and awesome throughout the day. And secondly, I just want to give a shout out to um, Indianapolis Zoo. There you go. Yeah, really interesting. Just trying to look for different organizations doing different things for walruses in particular. Uh, a couple senior marine mammal trainers from the Indianapolis Zoo ha- uh, went ahead and back in uh, May of 2017, they were able to travel to Anchorage, Alaska these two senior keepers at the Indianapolis zoo. And they got involved with the walrus conservation consortium, Mm -hmm. which is a group of walrus professionals, walrus researchers. Let's again, say that five times. I know, I know. Uh, But from around the world, they meet there annually to discuss walrus care management, research and conservation. And so the keepers were there uh, and they were involved in the workshop and they had the opportunity to meet with representatives from Alaska's Department of Fish and Game from the U.S. and other wildlife services to try to talk about uh, conservation funding and how to better understand the Pacific walrus and their habitats and and what's happening there with global climate change. And the keepers were able to learn a lot of new ways to help advance their care for the walruses that live um, at the Indianapolis Zoo to learn um, how to better care for the walruses that live at Indianapolis Zoo. They're named Aurora and Pacac. Okay. So, yeah, I just thought it was really awesome. And a lot of times, um, a lot, many zoos uh, throughout, at least in the U.S., uh, the AZA, um, the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, the accredited zoos, are – taking a lot of steps towards uh, conservation initi- initiatives, both in the wild, but then also in, uh, in their, you know, in their own backyards and where, and trying to learn more about the animals in their care and how to better care for them. And sending two keepers to Alaska, man, I wish I was on that. <laughs> I wish I, mm-hmm. uh, but, but yeah, it, yeah, it would be fun. And they got to learn a lot and they brought a lot back to the zoo. And then they also were able to bring a lot to the, uh, the walrus Cons- conservation consortium there as well, because since they care for these animals on a daily basis, they understand a lot about their behavior too. Right. So they can share that. And so, yeah, if you um, are in the Indianapolis area or somewhere, nearby and happen to be around, definitely stop by the zoo, check out Aurora and Pacac and, you know, purchase something from their gift shop or donate to the, I think they have like a roundup program, which basically uh, all the money goes to Alaska Sea Life Center to be used on walrus specific research and rehabilitation. Cool. Yeah. So I just think I just, Indianapolis Luge, good job. Looking out for walruses. Yeah, walrus I haven't been to that one yet. Next time I, I'm in Indy, I will definitely go by. I haven't. I, I almost applied for a job there uh, when I was back in Chicago, but yeah. um, we uh, I, I ended up staying in Chicago longer, which was awesome because I met John. So I'm yeah. As much as yes. as much as it seems like it would have been cool to work oh, at the no, Indianapolis Zoo doing these cool yeah, things. Thank God. Yeah, I'm glad I uh, I'm glad I stuck it out. We would and, not uh, be here today if you did that. <laughs> right. So thank right, you, yeah. Angie, for not. Yeah. Being. Yeah. All right. So, 
largest walrus herd is in Canada, occurs in the Fox Basin, and it's over 5,000 walrus is in a huddle. <laughs> it's a That's big, a lot of big, big huddle in Canada. So there you go. 5,000 plus. Wow. That's, that's yeah. huge. That would be yes, a sight that to is see. A big, big, big herd. So anyways, good pod. This was fun. Walruses were fun. I mean, every, it was you know, so fun. Oh yeah. I yeah, mean, from whiskers fun. to baculums yeah. to, yes. <laughs> I know <laughs> you and John go have your discussion. Do what you do. I'm going to see if he does uh, homework uh, during the football yeah. commercials. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, so if you can't, you know, visit us on Patreon. You know, we, we're going to start kicking that up a little bit. Like us on Facebook. You know, we, we, we actually got some, uh, a lot of, a lot of love the last couple of weeks. Angie and I've been pushing that a little bit. Check us out on Facebook. You know, we post on there all the time. The Instagram account will all pick back up. Uh, Twitter, I just use to post when we post, uh, our episodes. So follow us on social media, but Re- request know, some tuned. animals. Definitely. Yes. Yes, we do. We do. I need some animals. Uh, you know, we, we have a ton, but we'd like to hear from you guys uh, what you want to hear. So thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Listen. Learn. Share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.